Welcome, everybody. This is The Fall Line with Chaos and Company, and we have an incredible guest tonight. He's been preparing for months for this. That's why we haven't had him on. <laughs> Matt Boyd is here with us, the assistant coach and development coach of the Alpine national team for PSIA ASI. And I had to have my shirt on to make sure I got all those letters, Matt. It's good. Can you see it? Is it backwards <laughs> on your screen? I can't. No, I don't have my mirroring, so I made sure I could read it. Is it backwards right now? No, it looks looks good to me. Looks good to me. All right. So, so hey, um, posters. The Wong. Well, we had to have those when the Angels got his. We had to have those when we had Wayne Wong on. Nice, looking good. Wayne was a great guest, man. man. Well, what was was really cool is that Wayne Wayne had posters behind him of us, which was awesome. (laughs) 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 Uh, We should have autographed him in here. Oh man, they would have been so. Um, <laughs> so what we've we've all been doing pro jam, and it's Christmas week. Christmas just happened, and we're heading towards the New Year here another week. And uh, so a lot's been going on for the last couple months. And uh, you know, Matt, what's been what's been going on? What have you been doing as team guy and coach of the team? Oh, I am busiest uh, early season I've ever had. I've been all over the map. So. I've what a basin twice, once for team training, once for Rocky Mountain training. Went up to Canada, skied with the Canadian team. Um, up in Lake Louise, that was that was stunning. Big Sky, oh, some some good good snow in Big Sky. And then back here in the East, Mount Snow, Killington, living the dream. <laughs> back in the east baby and i, yeah. I saw you posted for the uh the, the water park merry christmas and happy holidays to everybody yeah. out there so yeah no, i hope that isn't an omen that we have to open the park early here that we're going to have some warm weather there's that park will open this third week in june every year for as long as i live as long as i'm involved with it. no sooner than that uh, what, what about the surf surfing piece though you might do that early yeah, that's easy though. That's you fill that thing up with water and start chlorinating and fire it up. That's easy. So, so how come we haven't seen? We've seen video. I, I believe I've seen video of you doing it. I don't know yeah. if I've seen video of Jeb on the board on the machine. Jeb's actually pretty darn good at it. Okay. Yeah, he's he's very good at it. He's the hiding it though. When you fall, like stuff comes off. So <laughs> if you're if you don't dare let somebody have your have the video going when that up there because you don't get the opportunity to edit that (laughs) so all right so before we get into the podcast we gotta we gotta find out so angela what was the best thing you got for christmas was Was it the hat you had on earlier no getting getting (laughs) to hang out with amanda all right there you go (laughs) cool can you? You might as well not even ask me because you know my answer automatically. Has to <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Actually, I'll tell you what. My my daughter Lucy um, just had a birthday, but she graduated from Appalachian State in North Carolina. So that that was the best thing. Oh, cool! Yeah. Cool. Grown grown up job. She's like an adult. It's crazy. Nice. Well, math, math girls are getting like that. One's getting ready to graduate from college, I believe, and yeah. one's going to be going in in the fall. One's Matt's going to be out, taking some many trips to Miami. Oh, man. Put me on that airplane, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a $59 round trip spirit flight from Manchester. I'm 
That's sweet. <laughs> there you go, man. All right. And uh, so, hey, let's get into the podcast here and chat with Matt. We brought Matt on to uh, chat about some teaching stuff tonight and um, kind of what's going on out there in the uh, Obviously, with with uh, PSA Aussie, we have a lot going on with our learning connection model, new national standards, our uh, new assessments in terms of how we're using the learning connection model with that and how we're assessing that. And I was just wondering, Matt, if you could describe in your words where you've been involved in this from the beginning. I mean, since what, 2008, you've been on the team. So Mm -hmm. you were there when the start process was started, how it was developed. If you were explaining this to some new folks that haven't taught before coming on board some resort or some folks getting ready for a level one, you know, what would be your first things of saying what the learning connection model is? Well, I mean, let's, let's face it. When you're out there, we rely on three skills, no different than the the old skills concept for skiing, our teaching skills, our people skills, and our, our our, uh, technical skills. And, the more honed we are in those three areas, the better opportunity, the better chances uh, of, of making a connection with that guest. You know, and a connection that, that I mean, we, we always focus on selling another lesson. But, I mean, I, we've seen connections. I know, I know I can guarantee that the three of us have seen connections where it's sold another lesson, more equipment, a season pass, a condo, um, and made lifelong learners out of folks and, and that's really what we're after yeah and and we have it built in the three triangles and then decisions of behavior around at the big blue circle but when it comes to those three um how inter, you know we, we separate them to have our our skiing skills and our riding skills and how they go to each discipline and then our teaching and then our people but um and we can train to those but how are they interrelated for you like when you think about it do they kind of blend a little bit when you're out there coaching i mean they are they are so blended that sometimes it's it's hard in the process it's hard to separate it's not like you're out there saying hey i'm gonna people skill now here we go uh, and I'm going to teach skill now and forget about the other two. It's no different than, than, you know, we don't go out on the snow and, and rotary. Um, yeah. You know, we, we go out and we blend those, those skills together. Well, Angela's good as hand. You have something, bud? No. Oh, okay. I just, I, didn't, <laughs> I, I thought, I thought you're doing this one and usually it's this one, you know, we have a tech issue. I thought you were like, Oh, he's waving the pencil. He needs them. It's, it's a Mac and cheese in his beard. He's just, <laughs> <laughs> just the chaos, man. Leftover yeah. turkey bits. Oh man. So as I was getting ready for this, I came across and I don't know why I hadn't seen it before, but it, and it's so available. It's on our matrix. Um, you did a presentation at the Can-Am summit in 2017 that um, we talked about earlier because I didn't know what the Canadian Summit is, so you can tell people kind of what that was. And then um, you talked in that presentation about how many things that we're given as ski pros. And I remember it coming in. I mean, the biomechanics, the the teaching styles, the learning styles, the cap model. I mean, there's just information from everywhere that we have. Yet, how do yeah. we filter that? Well, I mean, that's... <clears throat> All of those things that, that and, and, and when I say things, there's actually in the national office, there's a, a frame. Actually, I got to slide back. It's about this big square, that big square, and it's filled with tiny little words. And it just starts in one corner and just keeps wrapping all around. It's just filled with words. And it's all the things that the teams and the organization has come up with over the years. 
um, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, just the idea. You remember um, uh, multiple intelligences when that came out? I mean, that was a like, what? Yeah. My brain frizzled a little bit with that one. But all of those things are really designed to help us be student centered. That's that's the idea, you know, from from all of that stuff is to either help us be better skiers and riders or help us be more student centered. Um, and I think over the years, those things started re to replace the idea of student centered. And we started trying to do those things. Um, and the learning connection model was just simply designed to, to bring us back and say, hey, look, look, all of these things fit within one of those three triangles to help us make decisions and adjust our behaviors to meet the needs of the student. And, and you know, if you look at somebody like um, um, like a, a Robin Barnes, uh, a, amazing, amazing educator on snow, show, teaching some somebody like Robin the cat model may only confuse her. You know, it just might add to her, you know, it's just all the stuff that she's got to remember. But somebody like Robin, who just makes amazing connections with people from, from you know, newborn to, to the door of death, um, she, she doesn't necessarily need to have all that extra information to clog her brain path. Um, whereas the, the learning connection model, if we use it as a training model, we identify a weakness. And if, let's just say it's teaching skills. Um, uh, you know, then we can pull from one of those models, like the, the, the teaching learning model, you know, Hey, here's a model that might help you develop these fundamentals as far as the teaching skill goes. Hey, you know, that's the idea is to, to use it as a growth model and use it as a lesson building model. Yeah. And, and you talked in that presentation about how things at one time, and this is in 2017, we've been chatting and I've been watching Facebook as we all do. Um, and you talked about the conversations going on on Facebook and how technical lessons have become that it's so techy. And it was really a neat because you went through the simplicity of our fundamentals for Alpine and you related them to the skills concept, which I think a lot of people have, like think the skills concept's gone. And it was mm -hmm. neat in that presentation. You had the skills concept and went right into our fundamentals and how they're interrelated and connected. And then but you simplified it and you said, and you talked about that a little bit, just how technical everything's become. Yeah. You know, um, uh, I, I did a, a clinic where Sasha Rierich, uh, you know, the former U S men's ski team coach showed up and, and did a presentation and somebody asked him what the, the most prevalent learning style of the, the like high level U S ski team athlete was. And, um, I was pretty surprised at how quickly, I mean, he answered it just like this. He goes, Oh, well, they're, they're all doers and feelers. Yeah, well, maybe a couple of them are visual learners, but for the most part, they're all doers and feelers. And then you compare that to us um, as, as ski instructors, and there's a lot of thinkers out there. We've gotten pretty cerebral in how we choose to learn. And, and I think that that has a lot to do with how we, and when I say we, I'm talking about the three of us and our comrades out there, how we approach teaching. And we got really cerebral in our teaching. Um, and I think we bred the kinetic uh, or kinesthetic uh, learner, at least those parts of our learning out. Uh, I think it's time we re we uh, reverse that. Yeah, and it, it's it's a great presentation. I hope our listeners go to it. Um, you know, all of our members have access to it with the matrix. It's right there. Um, it's pretty cool. I mean, I'll, I do a lot of video stuff and MA stuff, and I put up a lot of video of the team members skiing all the stuff. And everybody goes, "Where'd you get that?" 
I'm like the matrix. It's, it's all right there. You know, there's just quite a bit. I mean, a lot hasn't been added the last couple of years with COVID and, but there's a ton of stuff there and, and the presentation is there. And in that presentation, as you went through the stuff, you, you talked about two things, two things you really wanted people to do to have people leave the lesson with. And you wanted them to be able to have sensations and to do things like if they didn't do things, and they didn't get some specific sensations you thought you know the lesson kind of failed oh i mean i i would hope none of our listeners would disagree with that statement <laughs> um, but i i mean if we the listeners here okay listen up folks if you want to be more successful double the amount of time you spend skiing or riding in your lesson just so that means you got to cut out some of the explanation part um yeah. <clears throat> It's, it's just, it's that easy. The more time people have to reflect on their own experiences and sensations, the more likely they are to have some deep learning out of that. Um, and, and, you know, from a sensation standpoint, um, <clears throat> chess is a thinking sport. I don't need to know what the sensations are of picking up a, 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 a little horsey guy and moving them. I don't play chess. Can you tell? But any motor skill, you've got to be a kinesthetic. You have to have some, some amount of kinesthetic awareness. Um, and we, when I have a kinesthetic awareness, it gives me something I can anchor my learning to. Um, I can take that with me. I don't need you, Dave, if you're my coach, with me to resurrect a feeling. I know what I'm searching for and I know what I can go with. And um, the more opportunities we have for people to identify what those sensations are, the better off we're going to be. Yeah. And, and I've seen you when we've been at training when you were the coach and even now that you, you, you'll have us just jump up. You're like, all right, everybody get up, go do this. Or you have us sit in the chair a certain way and do something so that we're doing something versus just sitting there. That's because I'm out of material. Usually that's a good way to stretch an hour long presentation into an hour and a half. Easy. We Thank caught him. <laughs> we caught him, Angela. We caught him. One, even that, wasn't even that hard. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Because oh, that no, no, I, you're right though. It's, it's, uh, we, I mean, you learn to walk from feeling, failing and learning from that two things. Yeah. That's how we learned how to walk. Um, you know, your parents didn't teach you how to walk. They helped you learn how to walk. There's a big difference there. Um, so Yeah. Yeah, because there's a great video that you put in your presentation about that. Learn how to ride a bike, and uh, you you talked about teaching your own kids. Going, God, what an idiot I was! Oh, I needed to see this oh, before. <laughs> oh, my, and that was fun to watch you go doing just that. Going, oh my God, I went through all that hardship, and and but now, I mean, when you look at a lot of the stuff, all the kids are on the push bikes. Just what that video is kind of do. The guy didn't have yeah. a push bike for a kid, but he took the pedals off. Yeah, it, it was so cool. What was that and, thing? And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just a different way of thinking. And it was so wild watching him teach his kid. But you have some best practices that come out of that um, presentation. Um, do you remember some of those? No. Nope. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Cue me up here, Dave. Cue me up here. <laughs> well, one of them was talking about you know creating experiences where students become aware of their performance based on sensations, which I thought was cool because – I'm wondering, I'm, I'm trying to think back to 217. We hadn't fully formed yeah. all of our teaching and people. So, I mean, it, it might have been there at that point, but it, I think it was coming around to really reflect on experiences. 
Yeah. I, you know, um, we got, well, we hear it all the time. Well, how'd that feel? How'd what feel? In fact, we saw this in an exam last year where somebody said, how'd that feel? And somebody said, it made me feel nervous. Right. So now all of a sudden, I mean, emotions are feelings. So if we aren't very good at directing them towards what we want them to feel, look, pay attention to what you feel in this part of your boot or in this part of your foot or within this muscle. Um, just when we can provide them what to look for and what to feel for, then it, it, it helps them become more aware. Yeah. So, and I mean, you hit all of the, all of them already. Like, I mean, it was help students learn from what they feel in aesthetics. And it was allow them to be part of the learning environment. Just what you were saying there, make make them be part of it, have let them do it and teach more with movement and less with information. I mean, just in, you didn't have to list them, but just chatting right there, listening to you was like, boom, 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 you hit them. You know, that allow them to be a part of the learning environment. If there's, okay, ski, ski or ride twice as much, double the time you spend. And then when we talk about, student-centered and allowing people to be a part of the learning environment. We're really good at that. I mean, the United States brought student-centered, well, what do they call it? Guest-centered teaching, because I think Bale had a trademark on it at the time, um, to um, Interski, and I think it was 1971. That's 52 years ago. Um, But when we talk about what guest-centered means, usually lives in those first two blocks in the teaching learning cycle. We talk about assess the student and then plan, uh, determine goals and plan learning experiences. That's where we're student-centered. Like, okay, I've met this person. This is what they know already. This is what they can do on their skis. Um, This is why they want to learn and what they want to learn. And then from, and these are the fears that they have. Let's let's just five. And I got five fingers on that hand. So we can stop right there. And then, um, take it out there and we plan an experience and that's when we stop being student-centered. So uh, I think once we can start paying attention to our students beyond, once we start teaching, we get so wrapped up in what we're doing that we lose sight of the students sometimes. So yeah. pay attention, man. Yeah. <clears throat> Angelo is. I'm starting to. <laughs> I'm starting to. <laughs> no, it's... Hey, what's the big bottle? You, you, you had a little glass when we started tonight, and then there's a big bottle you picked up. I don't know what that bottle is. It looks like champagne. Yeah. You didn't share that with us. What? Oh, it's just a beer. Oh, it did look like a big bottle of champagne. I was like, what's he celebrating? Because I'm little. Jeez. That's a normal-sized bottle, a little <laughs> dude holding it. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. <laughs> you know, I love it. I'm going to regret, I'm, I'm regret saying that. Yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you, are. you know, I was thinking when you said, um, I don't know what you said, Matt, but you said something. It was, it was really like, um, Let me tell you, folks. Now we just, we just cognitive the shit right out of learning and enjoyment. And I was thinking, you know, like Dave, you asked about the overlap of these components of the learning connection. And I've had people say, well, there's no overlap between technical and people. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, this is why people ski. This is why people snowboard. That overlap between the technical piece and the people piece is your style. That's what you do with the tool, you know? 
and we've we've really done a good job of of sort of phasing that out of american ski teaching you know we gotta we gotta bring that back in people don't start these sports to stand on the hill and talk about them you know people look at the come to learn to go not to learn to slow right (laughs) but you know if you look at the learn to go you look at the school system too though it's it's just part of a larger problem because like all little kids draw right all little kids draw they grab a crayon they just scribble the shit out of a piece of paper and they have a great time doing it how many adults do you know like by the time you're an adult you say i'm not creative that that doesn't disappear because you age that disappears because the school system sucks the joy right out of it they cut those programs they criticize your art you have to draw this picture but you feel like drawing that picture so you just lose interest and I don't see what we've done on the ski hill, the you know the, yeah. the the negative things we've done, as any different from that. And nope. and and it it's it's what it amounts to is just piss poor teaching. You know, we we just don't have the we we we. When I say we, like I'm talking about. You mean you, Dave? Dave. I'm talking about you, Dave. <laughs> I'm just talking about you, like just educators generally. We just we we. <laughs> We suck the activity piece out of it to to ah. anal, analyze in you know, what is it anal paralysis through analysis. Paralysis through analysis. That's just <laughs> that's what we've done. We created this. We have. Yeah. You know, Rob Sogard was at a bar one night. He's out working an event, and this girl came came up, and she goes, "Oh yeah, you guys are the fun suckers." He's like, what do you mean? Because like, you suck the fun out of everything. He's like. <laughs> wow maybe she's on to something here but yeah you know it's a we we definitely are very good at getting really cerebral and and okay we're good at that now so let's get good at something else yeah so well i'm talking about those you know we haven't given up balance edging rotary pressure we we haven't given up multiple intelligences we haven't given up spider webbing remember that one oh man you know? yeah that was huge i mean we haven't these things don't go away but i it it's one of the things that strikes me is like how rigidly people um invest in a model in a particular picture ah. of something ah. you know i can't get my head wrapped around that and i we you know <laughs> we talk about those social media groups and how rigid that stuff gets and it's like oh man when i when I was teaching, you know, I taught ecology. I'd, al- I'd always have to get a learn a, wa- a global water cycle diagram out, but you never found one that really covered everything you wanted it to cover. So you get two or three or four of them out and say, "Look at all these!" And look, this one's got this, and this one's missing that. But if you put them all together, it's a great picture. But you never got pissed off at one or like, you know what I mean? You just accepted the fact that it's like, okay, we do a whole bunch of stuff and here's a here's a whole bunch of ways you can think about it. But people are presently going to war on learning styles. No. Learning styles no. is a myth. Like, why would you get your heart rate up over something yeah. like learning styles is a myth? Can it can't we just be satisfied with the fact that it it's a it's a good way to think about how you might plan this lesson? Like relax if we just simply i mean if you if you look at it from a different perspective if we just went out and made sure that we gave a really good description of what we're looking for and what we're trying to do 
gave a really good demonstration of what we want it to look like, and then allowed them lots of time to play with it, we've, we've covered those learning styles. And shouldn't we be doing that when we're teaching anyway? So I, I, I yeah, I mean, there, there is a lot of talk out there about learning styles and, and it being a myth, but you still got to, you have to do those three things. Yeah. And somewhere in there, you're going to, somebody's going to learn something, I hope. And you, and, you, and you don't have to get all mad about it. No, <laughs> no. You know, it's funny. It's, it's like, um, it's like, it's like chum in the water on Facebook. I mean, just kind of go out there and make any old statement you want about skiing and just <laughs> piranha. The movie. Yeah. Ba- balance is out there right now, man. That's the one they're going after now. Oh, balance. It's like, balance is a skill. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it is. Oh, my God. It's like. Okay. <clears throat> now, if you go back and look at that initial skills concept, you know, balance was the result of the, the three skill areas. So I, I Again, yeah. Once again, balance is there. It's a result of, of blending those three skills well together. So, I, I, yeah, what are you going to do? Whether it's, it's pressure in the ski this way or this way, whether it's twisting the ski, whatever. Yeah. It does get frustrating over there. It's like, it's not this complicated. And, this and is that's where I want to be more like Wayne Wong right now, you know? Oh, dude, he, time, ripping it up. Hey man, oh, you should have heard some of the stories of sunglasses, man. The sunglass story was great. It's no coincidence that Wayne Wong and Greg Hoffman have similar speaking mannerisms because they heard that. Hey man, so chill, right? Hey man, that can be. That's my Greg. That's my Greg imitation and my Wayne imitation. Pretty good when you get that. That's two for one right there. There's a lesson. There's a lesson in that. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So you want them to go more, which we all do. I mean, we stand there at the assessments, the old exams, and and I would say, if it's not the number one thing, it's close to the top of every examiner. Everybody that comes off the hill and goes, "I only went ten feet." They had a whole run. Yeah. 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 So it's. <laughs> So when we look at the fundamentals and in the teaching, because teaching fundamentals, you know, play, experimentation and exploration, you know, that's the one that I think that needs to be hit to like, think about how you can explore and and play with this one thing, the whole run. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to determine what you want them to feel. Help them be able to feel it. Right. So give them an activity. It's going to highlight that sensation, have them pay attention to that sensation and let them do it. Let that's it's wow. It's funny. You're right, Dave. And I would think that everybody that's listening, that's ever been to an exam would agree with this, that that's the number one issue at, at an exam or assessment or whatever you want to call it. Yet we continue to do it day in and day yeah. out. So yeah, yeah. Be better than that. And, and I think they worry about, how many fundamentals they're going to hit or how many things they tell us about when they read the standard and then they look at their assessment form, you know, cause yes. they can see those online and they're like, well, I've got to hit all five. And it's like, well, it's pretty hard to do a straight run and not hit all five, but you don't have yeah. to tell me every second you do it all five. Well, I mean, let's face it. If you're standing up and the wind is blowing, you're utilizing all five fundamentals. That's uh, there's no way, just like you said, you asked earlier about the teaching fundamentals. You can't separate them once you're in motion or once things are happening. Right. But, but yeah, it's it, we we're not looking for you to blow our doors off with some amazing progression. 
Um, and really, neither are your students. So it's yeah. go out there and help us learn something. Make us get better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I and just and I don't we and I don't want to because I think we might sound a little bit blamey right now. I'm not blaming candidates who come and do those things, but it because we created it, you know. And I'm gonna, and I don't mean the three of us on this call. I mean we we're have, part of it. We as an organization, <laughs> we as a country, we as an education mm. system have we criticize. Like yep. historically, that's been our that's been our yeah. feedback model in education generally we we don't when we when we grade exams in school we don't mark the ones right we mark yep. them we we highlight the ones that were wrong yeah right that that trickles up through your life you know what i mean and then and then that's why candidates come to an exam and they feel like i need to check all these boxes and do this really yeah. contrived thing so it's yeah. it's it's there's blame everywhere. And not and blame is yeah. not even the right word. There's there's work to be done yeah. everywhere. Right. You know, John, well, and Matt, you talk about that in your in your program. It's a big part of that CanM presentation that you know it's it's what's created through the education and the information. And you were like, all of us, how many of you were examiners out there made hands? And you know, we've all given information. We that's what we do. We're out there coaching folks and trying right. to give them information. And that's the piece I wanted to go into next because it's like that information isn't bad. It's just how you use it. And I and I went through it and I think I still do when I get bombarded. I mean, we go in the fall and we have to have a lot of training to get up to speed on, on new things coming out and how we're going to be similar across the country to have a consistency. But then so you got to start putting that stuff together and it, it takes more than an hour or two on Zoom. And But all that stuff we talked about even earlier with biomechanics and physics and ski design. Um all that stuff does come into play when you go to Big Sky. It's a little different, I guarantee, when you're going to Big Sky for National Academy than when you're at Mount Snow doing a level one, you know, how that equipment's used. So that variety of knowledge, mm. you know, is more about our situations. And that's what I wanted you to chat about because I've, I've known maybe when I just chatted over beers about, you know, when we employ certain things and just, I know Angela's in here with all this teaching thought and theory, and you guys have so much more of that, that education background in education that, you know, I, I think people miss that all that stuff, how do you put it into the boxes of going, this is pretty important, but I might only use it here. And I might only use that over there. Angela, remember what you said earlier? Nope. You said something. I don't know what the hell you said. <laughs> it, was it you see the labrador it, retriever head tilt there was it profound help me out with that statement one more time Can clarify that one more i want to make sure i give you a good answer well i know it was a lot but i mean when you think about like you have ski design so we look at different skis different ski design or even the ski design in general yeah. you're going to apply the ski design in a certain way say you're on the same ski you got a little you got your gs ski i've seen you go in the bumps with your gs ski but you you know what's on your feet and how you're going to apply that GS ski there versus what you're going sure. to do coming down superstar when it's firm. Yeah. So it's looking at like, you know, that more specific to a ski thing, to un, you know, all that knowledge about the ski, how do we use it in different situations? How can we make it situational? Same thing with like learning styles and adapting to the needs of the learner. You know, we have different people come into our lessons. How do we adapt to those different people? It's not that we do everything all the time of every little thing. So I was just looking at situational skiing, situational teaching, just kind of your guys' thoughts on that, how you put that information There's so much of it, how we put it into the right situations. 
Oh, that make man. more sense? It does. I mean, I think, um, wow. I watched, uh, there's a, there's a Facebook video with Phil Mickelson. Have you guys seen it? No. Where he talks about all, like all the, the little things that, that, that he knows that most golfers don't like, Oh yeah, sure. You hit your, your, your nine iron 120 yards in the afternoon, but not in the morning. What if the ball's cold? The ball's cold. You're probably going to be 10 yards short. If there's a little bit of water in there, the ball's going to have a lot more spin. Um, you know, I watched, uh, I watched a girl playing third base on my daughter's team with a left-handed batter, right? Left-handed batters usually pull it to towards first base, but this girl skinned one off and it went to the third baseman ball hit and bounced funny. And her dad, who happens to be the Yukon men's baseball coach says, you got to know when there's a left-handed hitter and the ball's coming to you at third, that it's going to have a lot of spin on it. Something I never thought about, yeah. but <clears throat> The, the thing about that was, you know, this guy here he is the Yukon men's baseball coach standing there. And I guess I'm in softball dad, but I didn't, he, he never really impressed me that he knew a lot about baseball or softball until that one situation, which he imparted some knowledge that most humans would never even consider. And that's where I think it's up to us to, first of all, have that experience that this guy has and that we have on our skis and know that, Hey, you know what, Dave, you're standing on a pair of GS skis and Angela, you're standing on a pair of 120 underfoot. And we're both jumping into the same terrain at big sky. Um, there's going to be some differences there. That left-handed ball batter is going to have that ball spin to you when it comes to third, Dave. Um, but just tell them what they need to know versus everything that, you know, what's it? Rogan said to Lipton once, I might've taught you everything, you know, but I didn't teach you everything I know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got that on tape. Good, I can write that down later. <laughs> I bet Eric loved that. Oh, he did. Didn't have to be blew out of the same race course three times in a row to try out no eight. Well, but I and I Wait. think that that question though also comes back to what you said um earlier, Matt, which is what we you got to look at who's in front of you, yeah. and you and you got to say things that are appropriate to get performance for them right then and there depending on the conditions depending on the gear they're on you know but it's like you don't have to say all that stuff you don't have to check all those boxes how many no. presentations have you given no. how many presentations have you given in your life where you sat down and you went oh man i forgot to say this and it was still a fine presentation oh yeah but you, but you didn't every have time. to say everything Hundreds. you know right no. no there's a lesson there's a lesson in that you know, yeah. sometimes you're better off not saying it too. You know, if you've got somebody who's got a little bit of uh, anxiety and they're on equipment that's less than ideal or um, you know, their their boots are a little funky for what you want them to be able to do, whatever. Sharing that with them is going to hmm, further the tailspin. So just shut up and don't say anything at that point in time and, and deal with it and help them, help them get through it without bringing out all the junk, you know. And, P and I, how many times have you heard, oh, well, this is what I would have said if, oh. well, we don't need to know that. Yeah. You know, it's, this is what I would have said if there was a huge tidal wave crashing down on the summit of Killington, but there isn't. Yeah. So we don't need yeah, to know. That's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> because just information at, at Pro Gym, you know, we were all there. Matt was doing Masters Academy, you know. Angel and I were in the in the in the pro gym. Matt's up there in that Masters Academy with the crew, the gold pins. Definitely earned that spot. And uh, but when you come out, I know both of you when you come out. I know I do. 
I'm even though I half my crew I ski with pretty much every year, I'm still looking. I look at what their boots are. They got them buckled, they're unbuckled. I mean, just the stance they're standing in, you know, the ski they took that day. Some of my crew I knew that's been with me every year had a diff- different skis they brought, which ski they bring today. Um, I don't think a lot of our members, when they come out, like even in an assessment, say a level three, I don't know if that's the first thing they look at when they meet their group, what people are, how they're standing, what they're on. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. And, and you mm-hmm. know, in some ways that might be a good thing. Yeah. Um, you know, like you just, you take boots as an example. Um, I mean, you've got calf camps and forward lean and, and, and ramp angles and Delta and the bindings. And there's enough information that a little bit could be really dangerous. Um, <laughs> um, so, you know, and, and honestly here in the East, we teach a lot of short, relatively short lessons. Um, you know, there's a lot of instructors out there that teach a relatively short lesson and there's just not enough time to deal with the boots. Right. You can make a suggestion at the end, but the bottom line is you got to deal with what's in front of you. I mean, I had this dude from Texas whose legs started his hips, <laughs> went out to his knees and came into his feet and his skis on the ground were like that when he was standing with his in a natural stance. So how the heck do you make that dude yeah. be able to ski when he's standing on his outside edges? It was, and, and I mean, there's, there's nothing I could have done short of like going in and shimming the binding by 20 degrees. But I mean, and a two hour yeah. lesson, got to right. just deal with it. Mm-hmm. How do you make the yeah. guy succeed? And a lot of these folks don't, they don't, they only ski three, four times during the year. So it's not like they're going to go and do a $300, you know, get a new boot and get all the fit, the footbed yeah. and spend three, 400 bucks just in the fit. <clears throat> Never mind boot. Remember the old Royal Christie's, you know, <laughs> inside ski stuff? <laughs> yeah. There's your answer for that guy. White, white pastor <laughs> all day long. He was pulling out all his Glenn Plake tricks, man. Oh, man. It was that yeah, poor guy. That poor guy. <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, so hey when it so definitely wanted matt on because i wanted to talk teaching and i love to talk teaching i know it's a passion of yours um has yeah. been forever you definitely coaching and what goes on out there and what you do and just i want to know and i want to i want to ask angela this too i want angela to answer this and, and maybe we'll have to put angelo and music in the back so he can't copy your answer <laughs> So, but I want you to um, just tell me what, what you think of as good teaching and then what makes it great? Like, what is just good teaching in terms of, I don't mean bad, I mean, good teaching, but then what makes it great? All right. Okay. Good teaching is when learning occurs on purpose. That's good teaching. Bad teaching is when there's a lot of teaching and no learning. We see that a lot in our our careers um what makes it great um great teaching is when you start to take in those other two skill areas and mold those things together so you you tweak those three areas to make that connection so um great teaching is when they not only leave having learned something but leave loving it and loving you and loving everything about that winter environment that's great teaching um, and we've all met that person. And it's it's not always a national team member. It's not always an examiner. They might not even be members of our organization. We've all met that person that, that just has that ability to, to create learning, to create trust, and to just make you want to do it more and more. You want to follow that, Angela? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I think that's all <laughs> right. 
Should I write this down? Not, well, I'm, it'll be recorded. <laughs> it is a it is a podcast. <laughs> um, no, I mean the only thing I would add to that is I, I think great teaching is when 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 the student leaves armed with the ability to recognize novel sensations. <clears throat> you know what I mean by that? Like great teaching <clears throat> is when you provide autonomy. You you give people the tools to be autonomous. So if you you know if you for example if you can teach in such a way that you explore some high edge angle stuff and you explore some really skitty stuff and help them recognize you know this is what we did today on these conditions but if you try this in other conditions see what see what you find and then you've you've given them the ability to recognize new things and to self coach I think that's that should that could be added to what Matt said you know but yeah. yeah. I mean that's, yeah, that's that does. The thing. you gotta <clears throat> great teachers remove themselves from the equation, you know, and that doesn't mean somebody might not come back and check in for either <clears throat> excuse me, confirmation or to learn a new topic. But as far as that topic goes from that day, like if you can get them to not need you anymore, that's great teaching. So what makes it fun for you guys? Because you know, I watch as I do, and you know, Brian Smith calls it heckling off the lift, and I'm watching what the other course conductors are doing. Because I, I do, I, I love watching. You know, I was doing some stuff. I was doing some drifting, you know, and trying to work on some speed control and getting people to drift at the top of the turn. It's like my God, they want to just rail them, and then they wonder why they go so fast down Superstar. And here comes Jeb down. Jeb's drifting away, doing his little stuff. You know, I'm like, damn, I got to be doing something right. So, you know, we, we check in and watch what other people are doing and stuff, you know, well, Jeb, you know, maybe Jeb was watching me. I don't know. But um, I watch you guys and it's fun. Like Matt's out there having fun. I know Angela's having fun, you know, and I think most of our staff, I think all of our staff has fun, but there's different levels when you guys are coaching. It's so much fun to watch. And I can see you guys having fun doing it. You know, what is the piece for you? And this, I, this is like personal question like, for you. What makes it so much fun? Angela, you want to go first on this one? <laughs> that was that's a technique called buying time, Dave. That's it. <laughs> Everybody stand up, bend over, touch your toes. I mean, I, I don't know. It's it's fun. It's fun when it all vibes. Like, you know, when the conditions are yeah. good and the and the and the and people are into it and I don't know. When it when it's like that, it's just pretty pretty magical stuff, you know. And we've all it, it's like the yeah. zone. It's hard to describe, but we all know when when we've got it going yeah. on. That's what keeps us coming back. That's a cheap answer. You're up, Matt. Yeah. Come on, Angela. It's like there's milk there. <laughs> I, um, what makes it fun for you? Yeah, you. Because dude, you're a huge high energy guy like I am, and I, I can tell when you're having fun. I will tell you what makes it fun. When you walk out there, you know, we talk about introducing yourself to the student and assessing the student. Um, and, but in the teaching learning model, the introduction part is up outside of the, the teaching learning cycle box. It's like something you do before you start the lesson. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that you never stop introducing yourself to your students. And by the time you're done, whether it's a, a 30 minute teaching short little segment or a four or five day thing at the end of that time that you have you should not only have somebody who who loves skiing or riding but you should have some new friends um and when you can go out there and and 
and get to know people and what they're all about and what they love and what they hate and, and laugh and make fun of each other and, and, and just really create some friendships and get them better at skiing and riding. That's, I mean, to me, there's nothing better than watching somebody get it. Um, but at the same time, it's not quite as much fun when, when you're kind of just, you're the teacher, they're the student. I just, I, I truly enjoy my time on the snow with people. Um, yep. just getting to know them and, and having a blast. I mean, our master's Academy group this year was, we, we laughed so hard. We laughed at things. We laughed probably at you guys at one point in time. And we laughed at everybody. We laughed at each other. Um, and that's, that's just, a, it's a fun place to be. Yeah. I don't think I should say I don't think a lot of our members know that ski with us. I think they get to know it, and maybe they don't really understand it, but they don't know how much we're pulling for. Them. That oh, like no. it's it's I mean you get connected, and yeah. and you want them to do so well so bad, and you're working so hard to try to get that situation where they'll figure it out and get that sensation. And and it, it's I don't know it's 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 a comp competition with like myself can I help them because they've got to do it but how do you set it up and and you you stand there it's like come on come on come on do it and because you want you want them to be able to do it so bad because they work so hard at it I mean so many of these folks that are working seven days a week all winter and teach on the weekends and the nights and these little hills and it's 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 so much fun for me to watch them achieve some of the success they get so much more excited about a, a level two or a level three than they did their own i mean tom chase just got this huge award from nasa and dude he's out there working his ass off going left and right on the snow yeah you know it's funny i got a I got a text from tom chase while we we're examiner training he's accepting award from nasa I mean, for yeah. building a spacesuit to go to Mars, crying out loud, or the next, uh, the, whatever the next space launch spacesuit is. And yet he's sending me texts about how he's sad that he's not an examiner training. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Crazy. But I will say, Capron, that's why you're such a good coach. You know, you're yeah. vested in, in, in not only their learning, but in, in them. Um, yeah. And I, I would say that that goes for, for Angelo as well. You know, I, I watch how you guys operate and that's why people love you. That's why they love to ski with you. They get better yeah. and they have a great time doing it. You, yeah. you know, well, it's fun it's when you, when you, when the experience, when the experience is shared, that's when it's fun. Like you said a minute ago, Matt, like you don't like it when you're the teacher and they're the students. And like what I'm getting at with the shared thing, the, here's the evidence, right? You, you've all, we've all like that last day at Killington at pro jam. That was fun. That snow oh, was great. <laughs> however, however, we've all had just as much fun on days like coming in when it was you're just yeah. it's pissing rain and oh, you're yeah. you're wringing your gloves out. But that's something that you and that group like you shared with that group. You know what I mean? It didn't matter that mm. it was miserable because at the end of the day you come in and, and and it was like even playing field, you know, and that's that connection is the fun <clears> part because you could ski on yeah, a day yeah. like Friday at, at Pro Jam. If you're not vibing with your group, it wouldn't have been as much fun as it was. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean Monday through Thursday would have been <laughs> torture. Yeah. Torture. If you didn't have a group of people to go through it with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. I mean, not, not, not to say that Killington is not a great place, but when it pours down oh. inches of rain yeah. um, and then <laughs> freezes, you're going to yeah. get, you get what you, we got. And, and, you know, it's funny because when I coached the dev team, you know, these are new people to the ed staff. And, and I used to tell them a lot. If you're not having fun, they are not having fun. Yeah. 
Yeah. And if that means that you need to say, you know what, gang, I, I need motivation. Can we just go take a lap and just go out there and lap and have some fun and, and goof around? Um, that's that's a, a good thing for you to do is find a way for you to have fun while you're teaching. Otherwise, because I guarantee if you're not enjoying it, neither are they. Yeah. So here's the million dollar question. We'll see what Matt's opinion is. Do you have to be a great teacher to pass level three to get a gold pin, or do you just have to be good teaching at that level? Um, yes. um, Well, you need to be a good teacher to pass your level three. You need to be a good teacher. Um, If you had to be a great teacher, where's there to grow? I mean, what separates you from dev team to examiner? I mean, there's room, there's room for growth at all times. And, And like we always said, when we were at Loon, we have no room for people who feel they've reached their fullest potential. So, um, yeah. you need to be a good teacher mm-hmm. and, yeah. and, and great. I mean, those are arbitrary words, but, but good. What do you yeah. think? And, and I think if we go back and we rewound Angelo, that's, he kind of defined it when, when he talked about, you know, what it takes in terms of, you know, you have to have learning to occur and, and, you know, that didn't have to be a great teacher, just did learning occur purposeful. And it was one of the things, and that can happen at all three levels, even gold pin and still be good teaching, but might not be that great. But go ahead, Angie. I jumped I, in front of you there. When I was a kid, I took karate. And I remember coming up through look the ranks and like looking at the black belts in class and thinking that was it. And then I remember someone told me along the line, they were like, um, when you get your black belt, that just means you've mastered the basics. And I was like, oh, that that's a pretty perspective changing moment there, you know, and there's there's room for growth above that black belt. That's how I look at that gold pin. You know, there's room for growth above that. It's it's the first degree black belt. So, yeah, you have to be you have to be really good at your snowboard or your skis. You have to be really good at with people. You have to be really good at at teaching them. But there's there's uh, there's always room to be better. Absolutely. Take a guy like Mike Porter. I mean, he's been doing this since well before I was born. He's kind of hit the pinnacle of his career and he's still getting better. Yeah. So yeah, you never, you never done. You never done. Let's talk about the finals a little bit here in terms of not each one necessarily right away, but um, you know, in the learning connection model, when we're, we're focusing on getting to the next level, getting better. I mean, it's definitely struck home with me that I don't need to pull out the assessment sheet for level one, level two, level three, and go out and train my staff. I need to pull out the learning connection model, look at the fundamentals and train to the fundamentals. That's where I stay. And then we can evaluate it and we can do an assessment on, are we hitting it? Are they there yet with the assessment form? Right. But it's it's really the fundamentals. And, and I'm curious as to, just some ideas from both of you guys on, on setting up some training, you know, simple things for folks, you know, if they're struggling in an area, like how do they start training on a, a fundamental or two? Wow. I mean, I think you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, we talk about the national standards and the assessment criteria and the learning outcomes. Um, that's, that is just that it's a national standard for level one, level two and level three, but at all three of those levels, 
all we're doing is saying, hey, listen, how do we expect a level one to interact with these fundamentals compared to a level two or a level three and setting out, laying out those expectations? Um, I don't know that we should train to that level of detail. We should train to the fundamentals 100%. Um, and, you know, when you're out there and you just think about it, anybody that's listening, just think about anybody in your locker room that's that's trying to get better. And if you look at those three triangles um, of technical teaching and people skills, where's their biggest weakness? Where's there an imbalance in their skill set? And then you go through and you look at those fundamentals. And, and I guarantee you, there's a fundamental that applies to their weakness that you could have them start focusing on. Um, and just little things like, okay, like, let's just say as an example, um, that I am not good at adapting to the changing needs of the learner. That's, that's my weakness. All right. Well, Matt, from now on, this is what I want you to do. I want you at the end of each lesson, you're just going to do a little journal. And I want you to talk to me about the adaptations that you made and why you made them in your lesson. Just write it down in a little notebook um, so you can start paying attention. And then once you start paying attention to those things, then you're going to find ways to adapt and find needs to adapt. Um, but there's there's lots of ways that we can train. But I think once we know what a weakness is, that that's the yeah. key is, is finding that one weakness. Yeah. So, so how much also, I mean, the trainers are going to help. I mean, that's our jobs and my training staff and Angela's training staff down at Seven Springs. But um, how much do you think, I, I mean, I've been trying, I know Angela, we've talked a lot and we have so many of the crew on here from the team and just some high level folks that have been on the team, like Ellen Post Foster and everything is so much about self-coaching and self-awareness. Um, what are some of the, you know, do you have some thoughts on how we can help people be more self-aware where their weaknesses are and where their strengths are? I have a lot of thoughts about that. Go ahead, Angela. Well, I, both, well, Matt I, can sit, I think <laughs> I didn't get to answer the last question though. I'm I, sorry. Well, I think, um, you were talking about training. I, I think one of the best things we can do is give candidates, I'm just saying candidates, you know, I think we're assuming these are people going for assessments, but give them opportunity to coach their peers on appropriate terrain and then debrief yeah. the teaching. I don't, I don't know that it's about us teaching or training as much as it has given them the opportunity in a controlled uh, situation to practice with peers let's face it i don't i'm i don't know what happens in new hampshire but i know what's going on here the last couple of years that well and there's a lot of weird stuff that happens in new hampshire that's not what i'm getting at what, what i'm talking about Matt and I are smart you know, on what i'm talking about specifically is the fact that most of our lessons these days in in these resorts where i work are are beginner or really low-end mm -hmm. lessons so yep. one of the best things we can do for people to make them better is get them out to coach their peers, give them the opportunity because they're not getting the opportunity with people coming to buy lessons. That's And coaching peers is one of the hardest things they'll do. And then you can sit down with them with the fundamentals or with the learning connection diagram and say, Let, let's talk about what you think happened here and just mm. debrief and encourage, you know, like I think that's yeah. one of the best ways to do it. And to your point, both of you said coach to the fundamentals if we're going to change one thing in the environment all we have to change is the pitch right if you're working with level one candidates you're on green and green and easy blue terrain if you're working with level two candidates all you have to do is tilt the hill more mm. and, and that's enough but you really go out and do the same stuff you give them the opportunity to coach the people in front of them 
and then sit down and debrief with these ideas. That's how they're going to learn. It's about it's not yeah. about us teaching. It's about them <sighs> experiencing. We're that we're just there to we're just there to say what about this? What about that? However, your last question was, um, I think it was something about recognizing some shortcomings. Yeah. With, pe- with people skills, that is going to require more of a direct line from the coach because we have yeah. an uncanny knack of misjudging our people skills, either for the better or the worse. There are people who think they have terrible people skills who ha- who in actuality have great people skills. And then we all know the people who think they're, you know, life of the party when in fact, it's, you know, that's not the case. <laughs> And so, nope. so that that to me is the one, you know. Yep. I mean, you can video you can video skiing and show look how many rotary push-offs. Like you can sit there and count together. That's not a mystery. But when it comes to interacting with the people, that 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 may be a little bit more direct. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Cool. You know, Anne yeah. Shorling said once that uh, you know those people that are not very self-aware. Are probably not going to become self-aware overnight by themselves. Yeah, um, they're probably the furthest from it. So it does require some outside in- influence. Yeah, Maybe, I'll you know, let Angela do that part. Um, Bazy, the Brit- our British peers at the mm-hmm. Bulgaria Inner Ski, um, a part of their assessment process. And actually, we did this for a little while um, while one person's teaching to some of the other candidates. One candidate is actually reviewing, uh, just kind of observing and reflecting upon what that person did. And, and in our case, we used to ask people about uh, an individual fundamental, like a teaching skills fundamental or a people skills fundamental. Um, and I will say that that was done on our end for two reasons. Um, one, to keep people engaged throughout the entire environment. Because if you teach first, what are you going to do for the rest of the day? And two, to make us as a as a an Eastern region become more aware of what those fundamentals are, um, and I can say if you're out training at your home resort and you go out and you just watch and you just take let's just take the 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 people skills or the teaching skills fundamentals just take two or three of them and watch for examples of how your trainer uh, utilizes or, or meets the needs of those fundamentals. Um, you can start to learn some strategies for yourself. You can, and you, you become more and more aware. And then when you're out teaching, you become even more aware um, from that perspective. So, yeah. and things from the Brits. Yeah. Well, we'll have to talk to Pete Allison. And don't tell him talk to Brits because, you know, and, and, and he, you know, I asked earlier, you know, and it was, I figured I knew what your answer was in terms of kind of the way I think about it. Not that you're going to think what I do, but it's like, you know, we're looking at the fundamentals, they blend. And it's been neat the couple of times that, that Angela and I have talked with with Pete Allison that, you know, he really would he encourages us to to try to score and and do the assessment while people are teaching more, like the MA part. Like watch their MA while they're coaching versus doing it all in the front. You know, you got to do something to get it going, but then watch mm-hmm. while they're coaching because then the things are in real life that like they just watch somebody after they gave them some description. How did they respond to that? How do they adapt to learn? You can see so many of the fundamentals that are happening like at the same time versus picking out little pieces. Um, 
when you watch somebody come down the hill, they just did movement analysis. What am I going to do through the thought process? They were thinking about how did the skis perform? How did the body perform? How am I going to, you know, were they able to understand what I said? All those things are going into play. I might not know every piece they're thinking about, but I can see how they respond. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just, you know, what are you, are you, have you thought about that in that way when you're well, you've been out doing have, some assessments? I alluded to that earlier, though, that that's yeah. where, um, as a nation, uh, we can get better. Yeah. Um, I mean, how many times have you guys watched somebody do an activity uh, in an assessment environment and then turn around and you watch the pe- the other candidates do the activity in a way that has zero value towards what the initial outcome was? Um, I mean, we see that all the time and, and we get so immersed in that. Okay. Dave and Angela are watching me. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And, and you're, you're so focused on what your progression is that as soon as you start teaching, you lose sight of your, your, your other candidates in the exam environment or your students on the Hill. Um, you know, okay. I just did an activity. I did a pivot slip. What did they turn their shoulders to do the pivot slip? Is that how they got their skis 180 degrees to the fall line? Well, if that's the case, then, and I'm trying to teach turning my legs separate from my upper body, well, they, that activity was meaningless to them. So I might need to either change the activity, make it simpler, do it on different terrain, as Angelo mentioned earlier. There's all sorts of different things that I can do. And, and quite frankly, we don't, particularly in that assessment environment, we just get so nerved up. Yeah. We lose sight of those things. Are people bored? Are they, are they scared? Are they nervous? Did you forget to that guy that came and had knee surgery three weeks ago and you're making them do hot turns, whatever. Um, it's just easy for us to forget our students in that environment. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, and I think, and I'll go back to the pra- practicing, the more they coach their peers, the more likely they are to do well in the exam. Yeah. Right. Um if they can forget the examiners are there, that's the ideal situation, right? You know, mm-hmm. you, have, you have to know your stuff and you have to practice your stuff. And we tend to rush, we, um, everyone, we tend to rush the credentials. We're so fired up about the pin and the, and I did, I did ah. it. I mean, I, I was a, I was a early twenties year old dude, like full of piss and vinegar and beer and ego and i wanted a new (laughs) pin like i'm sitting here saying it like i didn't do that same exact thing but now i'm old and you know i'm knocking as matt said earlier i'm closer to knocking on death's door than i am to you know (laughs) so i can sit here and say things like ah don't rush so much kid but that's a piece of it too we're we're very credential oriented Um, we totally are and that and that gets in the way of learning yeah, it definitely gets in the way of patience. <laughs> yeah, well, and particularly because you know, um, you know, a lot of regions have become largely part-time instructors um, who are professionals in other careers and have to d- dedicate a, a good portion of their lives to their other career, their 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 real job. Um, and getting that that gold pin is a that's a tough stretch. I mean, it's the yeah. height. It's the highest level of certification our country offers for for a ski instructor, and it, it it means something. I'll tell you what I learned. I learned what that means when you get the big sky, and and you look up and you see the big C, and you're standing in the tram line, and there's a, a an instructor with the gold pin on his lapel, yep. who's got a private who wants to go in the in the big or anywhere yep. out there for that matter. Yep. 
um, poof, that is any open terrain at any ski area in the United States <laughs> yeah. versus a uh, wheelchair at Wyndham. You know, it's, right. that, that seems pretty steep when that's where you're from. Yeah. But, and then, and it is actually pretty steep, but the yeah. consequences are much lower. So, yeah. um, there's quite a bit of run out at the bottom of wheelchair. <laughs> yeah. There's quite a bit of just run on the big sea. Yeah, <laughs> there's some run out up there, big sky off the tram, but it keeps running down mm. <laughs> rocks and all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. but, uh, this, this has been great, Matt, to, to chat with you. And, um, Angela, we should part. I, I do have one thing I want to put on just about the um, because it, it relates to Matt and his team, and hopefully, the tryouts coming up here. And we have I got my shirt on, and um, we are still selling shirts as uh, Eastern Region. Um, if you want a shirt, the PSA to support our Eastern team that, um, I think they're $20 each and, uh, $10 goes straight to the Eastern team to help them out, to get the crew out there to the national team tryout. Um, if you want one, you want it shipped, you're going to have to pay some shipping too. Come on, help the team out, pay the shipping. What's the shipping? Six bucks. But get yourself a cool shirt. Kathy Brennan designed it. So please say it's awesome because we don't want the CEO to be upset because it's a pretty cool design. Um, Angela didn't do it, but um, Angela would do something with Chaos and Company, maybe. Yeah. Some, some, I yeah. Somebody's got to do something with Chaos and Company. Somebody, yeah. I got but yeah, it's, it's an easy thing. You know, it's only a couple beers when you're at Killington or Mount Snow and you think about 20 or 25 bucks for a shirt. So it's a pretty easy throw out Dude, there to help three, out some I folks. I bought three drinks at Pro Jam. It was yeah. 40, 40 bucks. Yeah. I got about two of those shirts. You could have bought two shirts, man. <laughs> two shirts you, know, you could have. Two. It's easy to say that you're supporting the Eastern team. and But the reality is um, like the work that that group puts forth to make themselves yeah. better for you as a member um, is pretty tremendous. I mean, Dave, you've been there. Yep. Um, uh, there's a lot of work that goes into that and it's a very expensive endeavor. Um, yep. And in the folks that at least that I know that are, have been on that Eastern team are doing it. Yeah. I mean, great. It's great to get to the national team tryout, but it's also making our region so much better. So, so support it, yep. support it for yourself, not just for them. Yeah. Cause I mean, if you look at a lot of the, of us, like myself that didn't, make the team like you and Matt and Brian and Troy and some before them have that it's awesome and the amount of stuff you bring back to us. But if we look at those that were on the Eastern team and went to those things and the growth that we've had, and you look at the leaders and the coaches in the East and, and who have been before me, it's, it definitely helps the whole region grow and get out there to do some better 100%. stuff for our folks. So yeah, it's a big, big deal. So that's why I'd love to see some folks. So I have my shirt and uh, we'll be pumping them out there. Hopefully a lot of shirts went out at pro jam. We still have some more. I think it's 500 Kathy, five or 600 Kathy wants to sell. So we'll try to get that to get, I think it's to get a whole 10 grand or something or 5,000 to the team. But uh, yeah, definitely want to have that happen. Yeah. What you got, Angelo? Anything fun for Matt? Like his three questions of like, what's his funniest sock gift for Christmas? What's your funniest sock gift for Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Good night, everybody. <laughs> that's a that's a wrap. It's been great. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, no. Well, yeah. Paul got Paul got socks with with dollar signs on it because he loves money, man. I'm I got socks with batteries in them. I'm a little keep disappointed, my feet warm. Little disappointed that Matt Matt's 
best Christmas gift wasn't getting on here without Jeb. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I was just waiting for his stupid face to pop up inside <laughs> mine. For those of you who don't get the inside joke here, I've yet to be on this show by myself. So I asked these guys, like, what do I have to do to get off there without a chaperone for crying out loud? Hey, how do you know you weren't chaperoning him? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe people say I look like that. <laughs> Killing me. Killing me. Oh, God. You know what I got God. for Christmas? Yeah. So my beautiful wife bought me a new mountain bike. Nice. Yes. Gotta love that. Gotta love that Gettysburg bike, man. Uh, thank you, Jeff Stiff. Yeah. Jeez. Gettysburg bicycles. No. Can't wait. Yeah, you you buy a you buy a six thousand dollar bike and you get a sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah, I, I, wait, I did get some socks. Did you get socks? I haven't got socks yet. I, I got to be real. I got a water bottle, some socks. Got a couple jerseys nice. over yep. the years. That dude though, man, I went down there and he took put my bikes when I went riding with him Halloween weekend, and he had the bikes up on the stand. He was pulling everything apart. He was he did a work over on those two bikes that were absolutely amazing. Moved everything up, greased everything, fixed some stuff, took the stuff out of the shock because he's like, "You got no travel." We had I had like four or five coins they put in there versus one or two, and he's like, "Dude, let's get you some more travel." Which I needed when I was riding with him, but um, yeah, it was it was awesome, man. Watching them work in the shop and do all the stuff is crazy. That's great. I just put oil in the chain and go. <laughs> you know what? We are we are the worst nightmare. We like we tune our skis and we get mad when people don't tune their skis. I yeah. tune my skis every day at Pro Jam. Yeah. Every day. Yeah, my bike's out there covered in dust in the garage right now. I'm not yeah. not my new one. My old one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just gets on me. He's like, dude, when's the last time you had the shock serviced? I don't know when you shipped it to me. <laughs> He's like, give me the thing. He's going up there, and oh man, I think he was really doing the work on the bikes though, because he didn't want me to be. He knew I was going to be slow than him. He didn't want me to be real slow, so he's trying to speed him up and make sure they're working right. Uh-huh. So I wouldn't yeah, be I too slow. Tightened up that rear caliper just a little bit too. We need Dave Wen to start coming around looking at our bikes and our cars oh, and shit like that. Oh, I can't ski dude. anywhere in New York or Vermont because Wen might be there. I have to tune every day. Yeah. 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 to see your shit. So like he does, man. He'll pick it up. He'll come out, make you take it off, and he'll pick the ski up and start looking at it. Phone's gonna ring. He's like, hey, when's the last time you tuned your bike? Yeah. <laughs> I was skiing in Elk Mountain, Pennsylvania. And Rick Skelly was down there and I was on the Eastern team at the t- time. And I came into the hotel room at the end of the day and he goes, Hey, I saw you slipping around out there today. The last time you tuned those things, you're supposed to be good. <laughs> Ever since then, I've tuned my skis a lot more. <laughs> oh shit. I literally put the tour box on Matt to go to pro gym. Cause I didn't want to tune every night. I just brought enough skis. So I had a pair for every day. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, actually I did too. But then, it was so bad. I just said to ski the slalom ski for four days. <laughs> it was firm, man. It was rock hard. Right. It was. Oh, crazy, crazy. Right, Angelo's was doing some pivot slips. I figured I figured when you're doing pivot slips end of the day, you needed to tune. Uh, yeah. You could you could feel up until Thursday, up through Thursday, you could feel the tune wearing off of your skis like <laughs> run by run. Those edges were like I think I saw Troy like on Tuesday at lunch, and Troy's like it's already gone. I had a fresh edge this morning. It's gone already. Oh, yeah, by 10 o'clock. 
Yeah. I had a girl in my group who was on a slalom ski all week too. And then when Friday rolled around, I'm like, I'm going to bring the kendo out tomorrow. You know, 88 underfoot. Perfect. She goes, but I, this is all I have. Will you stay on your slalom ski? I'm like, oh. okay. So I stood on my slalom ski first run down the head wall. <laughs> Superstar. That's <laughs> really <laughs> I hit so hard. I think I like knocked a, a molar loose on the back. So, your, yeah. feet, your feet were definitely above your head. There oh, was. yeah. Yeah, I, you know, take Wayne Wong and like flip him over on his face behind you there. That was kind of like what I looked like. There were, oh man, I only had one ski on. There were, and I heard it coming. I looked up and watched you and saw your head. And then all I can hear over next to me is your brother laughing his ass off. (laughs) The best part is, I I said to somebody, Hey, when you see Matt, don't be, you know, just make sure you make fun of him for this, right? So. So just so people would think I was Jeb, we hit the gondola <laughs> line later on that afternoon. And these guys are like, hey, I heard Jeb took a really big fall on Superstar. <laughs> uh, oh God, that was Stuart, man. Yeah. All right, what a what a good one. Hope everybody out there enjoyed this one. It's great to have Matt yeah. on Matt. We will have you back and we promise it'll be unchaperoned again. Excellent. <laughs> Unless you say otherwise. But no, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll yeah. see what the crowd yeah. says. <laughs> yeah, and Stuart. Well, Stuart's chaperoning right now for Angelo. Yeah, there Stuart, he is. The Stuart, cool dude. The, the new mascot. He, he had a snowcat ride the other day. He did. Love that. How, how do you enjoy that? He loved it. Yeah, he I think it. he looked he like the, he was happy. He got to ride in the groomer for about 45 minutes at Laurel Mountain with Keenan, their head groomer. <laughs> he had a ball. We want to thank you. Uh, <laughs> we want to thank our friends out there from Blizzard Technica for helping us out, keeping the podcast going. We also want to thank Nick's Boot Fitting over at Mount Snow, and definitely Miles Cotter Sparrow from Rollerblade and Rollerblade for helping us out, keeping things going. We'll get some things going this summer. Thanks, everybody. This has been the Fall Line with Chaos and Company and Mr. Matt Boyd. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs>